Hi, Seth MacFarlane here, letting you know that Once Upon a Time will not be seen on ABC on Sunday, February 24th. In order to make way for a little variety show I like to call the 85th Annual Academy Awards. Hope to see you then. You're listening to the official ABC Once Upon a Time podcast. I'm your host, Estelle McGecky, and I'm here with the creators and executive producers of Once, Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis, and they're going to guide you through a recap of Tiny, episode 213. Hi, guys. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. It was great to unravel the giant story this week. One of the major themes of the episode is finding your place, and I think that all the characters in the show are dealing with that issue to some extent about where they belong now in their lives and in relation to others, and I think the story of the giant and in seeing how he felt displaced amongst his own people and amongst his brothers forced him out into a world and forced him to make decisions that maybe were not the best decisions in an attempt to really fit in somewhere when he may have been able to avoid some of those mistakes was a journey that was potentially really an emotional one and one that can really resonate on everyone he encounters in Storybrooke. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways you find your place with the people who accept you for who you are, but before that can even happen, you have to accept who you are. And I think for... Anton the giant, he felt like he didn't belong anywhere. And it wasn't until he kind of became at peace with himself and understood who he was, was he able to kind of move on. Starting back in Storybrooke, in the very first scene when Emma and Henry are packing for their trip, Mr. Gold assumes David is threatening him. And then he realizes that he actually made an error and he softens, you see that. What's Mr. Gold's state of mind right now? I think it's complete stress. Bell is in a hospital, and that's upsetting. And he really wants to kill Hook, but he knows he shouldn't, and that's upsetting. But even more than that, all of this, everything he's ever done was for this moment, the moment to find his son. And he has probably spent every night practicing what he's going to say to him. He has probably thought about every scenario. He has the hopes it will go well, but he knows deep down it probably won't and the time is now, and he is going into a new land and a new world without magic, and as we know, last time he did that, he was the village coward, and so I think all of those things are kind of swirling around his head, and that's a lot of stress. I wish he'd actually decided on a road trip instead of a plane ride, or a train ride from Boston to New York. Well, I'll tell you why we didn't, which was, to us, him in a car, he's been in a car. Him on a train, we wanted to show Mr. Gold in our world, in our minds one of the greatest pieces of magic from the real world is an airplane and so gold sitting on that airplane and having to go through tsa and all those things to us symbolized this is magic he has yet to encounter and it was taking the most extraordinary man in probably the universe and putting him in the ordinary situation a lot of those scenes were just robert alone silent and in tv it's rare that you just get to sometimes at least for us just get to write a scene with an actor and everything done silently and i love the way that he interacted with henry and the way that jennifer was kind to him but if he was going to fly, then I wish he had tucked his scarf in. I feel like just having to take it off in that one moment, I'm really concerned that he's lost all of his healing magic. Obviously, he can't heal himself. Well, I think, you know, he said it, which is it was the reason when he crossed the line, which is he needed something for him to remember, which is why when he took Smee's hat and kicked him over, and then you realize Smee remembered who he was. He needs the shawl to remember who he is because he is venturing into a land without magic. He may have brought it back to Storybrooke, but we have not seen it in New York City. 
No, we haven't. And he never got to test that with SME, really. Right. I mean, look, I would say we tested it in the beginning of the year in We Are Both when Sneezy got kicked over and we saw what happens when he doesn't have something on him. You forget who you are and you revert back to your cursed self. You know, it's like a scuba tank. I can breathe underwater. What is the thing that will allow me to go remember my son in a land where if I go out any other way, I won't remember I even have a son? But he didn't test the magic part of it. He tests it in the bathroom scene. But he couldn't test that with Smee, I suppose, is my point. So right. when he pushed Smee over, there was no way to test whether Smee could do magic on the other side. Well, I think that he knows there's no magic on the other side. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm just taking it too far. Yeah, you're taking it too far. He started <laughs> out with the knowledge that there is no magic on the other side. Got it. In fact, you mentioned the bathroom scene. When Mr. Gold punches the wall, it really looked like Robert Carlyle was really punching it. It was an amazing scene. I watched it three or four times. Yeah. Just that one scene, it was just so great. He sings the songs the way they were meant to be sung. We just knew that in that scene, we were just going to have him go in and we just wrote it very silently, no dialogue. We just wrote, he goes in and all the stress and whatever, he just starts punching it. For the very first time in a long time, he was frightened and he doesn't want to be the coward again. He doesn't want to be frightened and he just punches, he punches, he punches and when he goes down and looks at his hand and just instinctively tries to use magic to heal it and he can't, we realize he is a stranger in a strange land and it has been a very long time since he's done this without magic. And I would say in a lot of ways it was an evolution of his character, but Robert, you can just write these scenes and you know he is going to make them even better than you anticipated. He just, he's an extraordinary actor. He really is. He really is. I mean, he just really, like that whole scene was him. It was just a camera and him. There was nothing else. He just brought it and just brought it to life and you just sit back and you just marvel at his talent. And it's in such a confined, claustrophobic space as yeah. well. Just all of this raw emotion. It would be so different if that were played in a huge room. It wouldn't be the same scene. No. And you don't often get quiet moments with just Mr. Gold. You don't. So later, when Regina talks to Snow and Charming, she lies about knowing that Archie is okay. Was it to test them or is she simply carrying out Cora's plan? Because she doesn't want them to know she's with her mother. I think she was playing dumb. I think she knows they don't know. And I think that, you know, the element of surprise is a very powerful thing. I think she knows that if she goes there and says, my mom's back, we're great, can I see my son? No, 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 I know she tried to kill you and Emma a couple episodes ago, but she's cool. Regina's smarter than that. And Regina also wants to have the upper hand on them. And of course, we're not totally sure whether it's Regina or whether it's Cora playing Regina. Yes, or... I think the thing about Regina and Rumpel and Cora is whatever sometimes their true plans are, they keep to themselves. Yes. And like Grumpy, I'm really curious about the enchanted wood ship. Does the wood make it capable of portal jumping? Well, I think we've seen he has to use a portal, and he says that you have to use a portal to be able to transport yourself, but I think it is a magical ship in and of itself, and we do know it is claimed to be the fastest in the world, mm. of all the worlds. And Regina tells Hook that Cora needs her things removed from the ship. Was she only referring to the giant? Oh, absolutely not. In fact, we are going to find out what she really means much later. There's a lot of important things in there, but one very important thing. I like it how Hook put the Queen of Hearts card down in order to conjure Cora. Yeah, but he was not expecting Regina. He was not. 
And Regina mentions that Anton killing Charming is a really good distraction. Did Cora specifically bring Anton to plant Bean or is there like a whole other agenda? Well, I think beans obviously are long thought to be extinct. We know they can portal you to any land you want. So Cora wanted something with that giant. She wanted something with those beans or at least the hope that he had them or could grow them. And what her ulterior plan is cannot be revealed today. So during the giant dinner scene, Anton's brother says, it is the labor that makes us who we are. And for me, this was a really interesting statement. It's almost a philosophy. It is a philosophy. I think that what we love about the giants, if you also notice, they're vegetarian. Oh, I didn't notice that. Mm -hmm. They're only eating vegetables and, you know, they're vegetarians and they live in these great temples and they have a philosophy. And the philosophy is exactly what you said, which is it's the journey, not the destination. And that is a very, very hard thing to understand. It is something that I don't understand, but I strive for. Then Anton, who's, you know, obviously struggling to sort of accept himself. Yeah. His belief is that they need to be doing something with the beans. Yeah. So I guess Anton's view or philosophy that you need to be doing something with the product means that he hasn't quite reached where his brothers are. That's right. He has clearly not reached enlightenment yet. And I think that was the journey of the story. Although one of his brothers obviously hasn't reached enlightenment either. And that would be Abraham because he's a bit of a bully. Yes, I think brothers are still brothers. The other thing that I found that was very interesting was the perspective of Jack as a woman. Yes, you know, we always try to do the one's twist on something, and we showed you in episode six, Tallahassee, Jack's sword, and people just assumed Jack was a man, but no one ever said that. And so for us, we thought that was part of the fun of the story. And we loved the idea that her partner in crime was original Prince James. And Josh got to be evil Josh Dallas in this. That must have been fun playing that. Yeah, he had a lot of fun. He was very, very excited about it because it was nice to be able to, for him to play a character that actually gets to make all the selfish and horrible choices. When James Charming's twin says, Sometimes you have to leave home to find the people who you truly belong with. And he looks longingly at Jack, his lover, but later he just leaves her to die. Well, because he is full of crap. And what's interesting is what he said is true. And it was oddly insightful to Anton, but he was doing it just to con him. And so he delivered it in a way that was disingenuous. But the truth is, is that is the path and the journey that Anton ended up taking. Jack believed him though, and it wasn't until she was dying and he didn't even go over to say, it sucks that you yeah. got stabbed with a poison sword. I know you're gonna die, but here's a goodbye kiss. Well, he saved his own hide and he ran out of there. And I think Jack was left to die in the same respect. She took advantage of a very gentle soul to do something very horrible and had no problem with that. So if you're gonna enter into the game, be prepared to lose. And if Anton was willing to give them treasure to pay off the debt, why not just leave it at that? Why plunder the giants for everything that they have? Well, I think that is a great question because that is greed. And so you're essentially saying, why are people greedy? And that's just the way it is. I think when you look at so many situations, you think, if only I just would have been happy with that. And it's so hard to just stop 
when you're ahead, when you think you can get it all. And I think that is an example of greed. And the point was, is he could have had that treasure. He could have helped his dad out and maybe wouldn't have had to get arranged to meet King Midas, marry King Midas's daughter, and he wouldn't have died uh, trying to fight a beast. But he got greedy because beans are worth more than anything. And he knows Rumpelstiltskin would have paid a pretty penny for those. So Anton is betrayed by his friends and he really pays the ultimate price. He loses his entire family. Yeah. And when he's hanging from the pipe in Storybrooke, he says to Charming, trying to save him, maybe death hurts less than life. Yeah. It's a really touching moment. Yeah, I think he doesn't let go. I think he's just tired of being alone. He's tired of feeling the guilt and he's just looking for a way to move on and he just doesn't know how and he just doesn't want to live with the pain anymore. And I think the friendly hand of the town saving him shows him that he was right from the beginning. You know, not all humans are horrible. Not all giants are horrible. It's individual people, and you have to judge it like that. And I think in that moment, you just kind of saw the weight of everything he had been through, you know, crashing in on him. It was a long journey for Anton to get there, and he went to a dark place. And maybe death hurts less than life. No, that's not the case. Maybe being alone, is the answer, no, that's not the case. But in moments of despair, that's where you go. And you need, and he needs, his friends, and he needs his new friends and his new community to pull him out of that. And he had this with his family, and he was so close, and he made a mistake, and he lost it all, and now he's finally getting a chance at redemption, and he's getting a chance to do and be the person he always was, but was held back by his insecurities, and now he is doing his best to live up to what his brothers wanted from him and what they deserve and what he deserves. He also says to Grumpy after he's been saved, I'm better off alone, and Grumpy's very sweet and sort of invites him in. Then he gets what he's always wished for, and that's to belong. Like he gets his own axe, and yeah. he's really a part of something now, which I thought was wonderful. What we tried to put in is dwarves have the same philosophy as giants, which is work is work. They don't care whether they're mining for fairy dust, they just like to work. A giant becomes a dwarf. It was always the inspiration for this story. And is Jorge going to remain in Storybrooke? I'd certainly be disappointed if we didn't see him again. He just melts my heart. Like when he was looking down the beanstalk, oh, yeah. in that one moment, just those few little expressions, I just knew exactly what he was... Adam and I wrote a lot of Hurley episodes in Lost, so we always had this role waiting for him, and we love to write for Jorge, and so for us, you know, we just, we're going to keep writing for as long as people keep hiring us to write. Yep, we love Jorge, and we're so, so thrilled that he agreed to join us on the show. He's a great addition. So what's your favorite scene or moment from this episode? I love the scene with Jorge and the dwarves at the end. Me too. He gets an ax. And I believe there was a big secret revealed in this, which was what is Charming's real name? Yes, the answer is David. David. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Didn't we find that out in The Shepherd? If you were paying close to the minutia of how the names work with him, we had actually never really revealed what David's name is because The Shepherd went and took over the role of Prince James, and then he was acting as Prince James when he met Snow. Which she was episode three. The twin boys were James and David. And that answers someone's... Twitter question from last week's episode. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we have a few more Twitter questions for this week. Jennifer Dulo asks, what is Mr. Gold's first name? Not as Rumple, but as Mr. Gold. Well, who says he has one? There's a lot of names. People are very curious about names. Names are very important to him. You know, who says he has one? And if he has one, we haven't told you, so. I'm going to tell you in a podcast. 
Okay, Jordan Nicole Wright asks, will we see how King Leopold and Regina were in the beginning of their marriage? Didn't we see the yeah, very beginning of well, their marriage? Well, we saw the beginning of when he proposed, and I think there is story to be told with Regina in her first early days. So I would say, you know, maybe someday we'll go back and see that. Eddie Nanum, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, thank, thank you, everybody. Thank we are very excited for the very next episode. You will find out stuff <laughs> where Balefire is. Ooh, that's going to be a really good one. So if you'd like to be a part of our next session, please add your question to our podcast post on the Once Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Once ABC. Please join Eddie and Adam next week and tune in to Once Upon a Time, Sundays 8, 7 Central on ABC and available the following day at abc.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Thank you.